Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Great to see everybody this morning. Great to be here. Uh, as Dave said, I'm going to end the day with a military illustration. But before I get there, he, you know, I just want to say that uh, I have a son now in the Navy, and I am uh, elated that he is there serving our country. And I have been associated with the military in the past. I worked in Millington, Tennessee when it was a naval air base. And so I worked with a lot of people there, love them. They love me. Great time at that church. But I just want to say thank you to our military in a special way and to our military families because I had no idea how much family is involved in the life of military people. So I just want to say thank you. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you. I, I want to uh, begin this morning by um, reading John 15, 1 through 17. And then we're going to work through several things to set this passage up. And then we're going to go through the passage, and I'll end with that illustration, and we'll be finished. But if you don't mind, stand with me while we read John 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That it, may, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. You can be seated. And let's pray together to begin this morning. 
Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to look at your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to abide in your love. Father, we ask that you continue to shape us and mold us and make us the people that you want us to be. And we know that we can only do that if we are abiding in you. So, God, we just ask for that, ask that you help us with that, and that you lead us. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of you all have heard the name, uh, the pastor's name, Adrian Rogers? Okay, a lot of you. If you haven't heard him, he, he is probably one of the greatest preachers of all time, and I would encourage you to pull something up. Uh, one thing that I love about Adrian Rogers when I listen to him is he is so simple. He is very simple and yet so profound at the same time. And so I was listening to him in the last couple of weeks, and I heard this illustration, and I want to share this illustration with you. And, and he started off the illustration with saying, this is really a ridiculous and silly episode I'm about to share with you. But this is what happened in this silly and ridiculous episode I'm about to share with you. There was a guy that saved his money for a new car. He kept putting money back and putting money back because he wanted a new car. And finally, he saved up enough money that he was able to purchase this car. And when he got the car, they brought it to him and put it in his garage. And all of his friends that came over, he wanted to show them the car. And he showed them the paint job. And it was one of those paint jobs that when you look at it from afar, it looks solid. But when you walk up on it, you know, it's got all those little sparkles and stuff. And he was so proud of it. He showed everybody. He showed them the interior and had them feel the interior. And he showed them the stereo system and how he could connect his Bluetooth and all the things that he could do with this car. There was one thing he didn't understand about cars, however. He didn't understand that cars have an engine. Just didn't understand that. And so whenever he got the car out of the garage, he would have to push it out of the garage, push it up the hill in front of his house, and then when he... Uh, had a chance, whenever it come time to go downhill, he could jump in the car and coast while he could. But this car that really was meant to be a blessing to him really was a burden. Because even though he enjoyed coasting down the hill every now and then, he knew that eventually he was going to go back uphill. One day a friend came over and said, hey, here is the ignition switch, and here's your key. You put this in here, you turn this, that engine cranks, and you can ride in that car, and it will, instead of you having to push it, it will carry you. He was like, oh, I wish somebody had told me that before. So he did it. He cranked that car up, he took it for a ride, and that car began to carry him. Now you're saying, now nobody can be that stupid that they would buy a car and not realize they have an engine, and you're probably right. But friends, this is the truth. We are to abide in the vine. And as Christians, we often forget that our power, the thing that carries us, is the fact that we abide in the vine. That's what makes us go. And if we don't abide in the vine, we are just like that poor guy that was pushing his car uphill and trying to make it work. If we don't abide in the vine, then we are missing out on God's power, and we don't want to do that. So we're going to look at John uh, 15, 1 through 17 this morning. 
And I am on silly examples this morning, so I'm going to do this. The fruits of the Spirit, if I was preaching a companion message of this, the fruits of the Spirit are found in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruits of the Spirit. I remember these because of a book my dad gave me when I was in college. And, and Jerry Lucas, some of you guys aren't old enough to remember Jerry Lucas, but he was a great basketball player. And he had an incredible memory. There's a story that's told about him that uh, he had such a memory that he would, he would train his memory all the time. And on one basketball road trip, they found him in a phone booth. Now, some of you don't even know what a phone booth is, but there used to be phone booths before there's all the cell phones. But he was in a phone booth, and he had ripped out a page of the phone book. And all of his teammates said, what is he doing staying in there so long? So they go over and gather around this phone booth. And they go, what are you doing in there? And he said, I'm memorizing a page of the phone book. And so they go, you are not. And he said, here. So they begin to give a name. He'd give a name, he'd tell them the phone number. They'd give a phone number, he'd tell the name. He had an incredible memory, but he had a system. And so if you guys will put the system up here, I'm going to see it. This worked for me. I just pray it works for you. I mean, it's, it's uh, again, it's another one of those silly things. But this is the fruits of the Spirit. And so the way you remember the fruits of the Spirit is you remember the items on the shelf. So they have fruits on the shelf. And the first one's kind of hard for you all to see, especially in the back, but it's an apple. And the apple has a heart on it. And when we have a heart, what does that communicate? Love. That's always, you know, the symbol for love. And his theory was if you can visualize what you want to remember, you can remember it. So Work for me, so let's see if it works for you. So the first one's love. The second one's a banana. And beside this banana is a bottle of joy, and it's cleaning this banana. And that's to help you remember joy. So love, joy. Next is grapes, and the grapes are eating a piece of pizza. So the peace is peace. Love, joy, peace. Then we have the, the lemon, and you see the Lemon juice trickling off the shelf into the patient's mouth. So love, joy, peace, patience. And then you have a nest. And the, and the nest has a lime right there. So it's taking care of it. So it's a good nest or good nest. Then we have, uh, I'm sorry, it's kindness. He's being kind to the, to the lime. So he's taking care of that. The next one is the orange that's in a nest. And that's a good nest. Then we have a peach that has a face on it, and the face should remind you of faith. So that's the first letter, and that gets you going. And the last two are my favorite. Yeah, they're, the, they're probably the goofiest, so they're, the, they're my favorites. But there's a pear, and if you could see this pear really well, it has a chin on it. The word chin's written at the bottom. Then it has a tail, and it's going into a nest. So it's chin, tail, nest. Or gentleness. <laughs> Come on, guys. The last one's even better if you like that one. The last one, last one is it, you know, the fruit of the spirit. It's self-control. So you have a shelf, and then you have a con, and you have a troll. So you have shelf control or self-control. 
So let's go through this real quick. So I'm going to say, I'm going to give you the, the uh, fruit. You tell me what it was. Apple. Very good. Banana. Grapes. Lemon. Lime. Kindness. The orange. Goodness. The peach. The pear. Gentleness. And the last one is the plum. That's it. Okay, these things, you know, we talk about abiding in the vine, and we talk about the fruit that you get in the passage we're going to look at today. And, and we often, and not that this is not fruit, when we lead somebody to the Lord, we talk about that being fruit, and it is. Man, I think it's awesome when that happens. But there's also fruit, fruits of the Spirit that God wants to build into your life. He wants these things to be abundant and evident in your life. And so I, I love remembering these things because one of the prayers in my life is that somebody meets me when I'm 30 and they meet me now, I don't look like the same person. I, I want to grow in what the Lord has called me to do. I want, I want to change and grow. And by looking at these fruits of the Spirit and thinking about abiding in the vine, it should be changing our life. It may not change us overnight, but it should change us over time. We should be growing closer to the Lord because of what the Lord is doing in our life. So let's take a look at uh, John 15. And I want to set up this passage because it's important what is going on in this passage. The, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and they were in the upper room. And we know at this point, Jesus at the end of his life. And so he's at the end of his life, and he is sharing things with them that they need to know. This is things that the, he, they need to be aware of. And so in John 14, the last verse, it says they rose and left. So we know we're somewhere in between the upper room and the garden. Many people think that he passed the temple with the engravings on it of the vine and the, and the grapes, and he stopped there and taught them. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's certainly plausible. It's, it's possible that that happened. Something uh, sparked him to do this, or maybe he just wanted them to know that, hey, these things I'm getting ready to share with you are very, very important. And I'm going to say to you guys, the things I'm getting ready to share with you are very, very important, not because I'm saying them for heaven's sakes, no, but just because of the words of Jesus, and he said them so that we would all understand how we should be living our life. So let's just take a quick look. He says, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, a lot of people, vine dresser, we didn't grow up in an agrarian society, or maybe we didn't go around, uh, up around arbors, but a vine dresser is the gardener, the tiller of the soil. So that's the, that's the person that's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. And so if you've never run around a, a grape arbor like me, I've been around a really bad example of a grape arbor. Because my dad has a little trellis in the backyard, and it's got grapes on it. And it either produces no grapes or little bitty grapes on this arbor in his backyard. So 
The thing about an arbor is it requires a lot of attention. You have to give it a lot of attention, and you have to prune these things because what puts out the grapes is the new growth. And so you have to let the nutrients go to the part of the plant so that it will produce abundant crop of grapes. And so what Jesus is saying to the, to the disciples here is you will be pruned. You will be pruned. And, you know, none of us like pain. Uh, we, don't, we don't talk about pruning. We're like, eh, I don't think so. But, but you are. You're going to be pruned. And so the thing about it is when things happen in our life that, okay, I wouldn't have choose this. I didn't plan for this. I wasn't looking for this to occur. The right question is, God, what are you doing in my life? God, what are you trying to show me? Because I'll tell you, every really mature Christian I know, when they are being pruned, they aren't going, oh, I can't believe you're doing this to me, God. I can't believe that this is not working out like we talked about. We have prayed about this, and you are not coming through. That's not what's going on in a mature Christian's life. What's going on in a mature Christian's life, they're going, God, show me what you're trying to accomplish. I, I don't know what's going on here, but I need to see it. I need to know what you're doing. And so that's what he's saying to the disciples here is, I want you to know that when you're being pruned, it's so that you can grow. It's so that you can get closer to me. He says in the next verse, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now, I'm not a great Greek student. I'll certainly acknowledge that. But the word kathros in this verse is a Greek word that means acceptable to God or good in God's eyes or good as God thinks. That's what the word means. And so what he's saying to the disciples are, you guys are clean. You're clean, but I want you to understand these things. And I want you to understand this analogy that I'm giving between the vine and the branches. He goes in on to the next verse. And here I want to point out that in this passage of 1 through 17, there are three imperative verbs. And I'm going to point out all three of them to you. But in the first one, we begin with that word, and the word is abide. So when we say a, an imperative verb, what that means is it's a verb that's a command. It's not a choice. You don't get to choose. He is saying abide, and he's not giving you a choice. That is a command. So what does that word mean, abide? Abide means to dwell, to continue, to tarry, to endure, to remain, to sojourn to continue to be present, to be held, to be kept continually, to continue to be. So it means abide is continue to be with the Lord, always walk with the Lord, always go with him. That's what the word means. So he says here, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. And then I love the next statement. So if you didn't get it, neither can you. So what he's saying is, if I cut this branch off of the grape trellis, this vine that's growing, if I cut this branch off and I take it over here and I lay it in the sun, what's going to happen to it? Come on, it's not rhetorical. Tell me. What's going to happen? It's going to wither, right? It's going to, it's going to start to shrink in the sun. And what God is saying to the disciples is, if you do not abide in me and you try to go it alone over here, you are going to wither. That's what's going to happen. Either you walk in my power and you do things the way I'm leading you to do it, the direction I'm leading you to go, 
or you're going to miss the mark. That's what's going to happen because you have to abide in me and I have to abide in you. And so he talks about the branch. He says, if you cut the branch off, it's not going to work out very well for that branch. And he says, neither is it going to work out for you or me. It doesn't matter who it is. If you want spiritual fruit in your life, you have to abide in the vine. It has to happen. That's so important. Let's move on. In verse 6, he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And there's a lot said in those three short verses. Second thing, the second word I want to point out is the second imperative verb in these 17 verses. And it's the word ask. Can't stress how important that is. In verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So this is what I want to say to you all this morning. If things are not going the direction you want them to go, they're not going how you planned or how you envisioned, that's when you ask the Lord. You have, a, you have a relationship with him, and you have to use that relationship because you are abiding together. That's what you're doing. You are abiding together, and we don't just sit back and, and, and just watch what we think God is doing. We have this relationship, and we abide together, and we ask questions, and there is nothing wrong with a question at all. We do that. I want to go backwards just a little bit and go to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Now, in the agrarian society that was back in that century, everybody knew what happened to the vineyard. Everybody knew the process. Everybody knew what was going on. And so with this, with this pruning that was going on, everybody knew why you do it. It was so you could produce fruit. And when they cut branches off and put it over here, they knew why they put them there. They were no longer bearing fruit, and they burned them. Now, there's really, commentaries are pretty split, and you can go whichever way you want because I'll explain that in a second. But one, people say, well, Judas was here, and they cut him off and put him over here, and he was not one of the disciples. And I get that. That's, that's okay. I personally think that Jesus is saying when that branch is cut off that's not bearing fruit, he puts it over here and it burns. And if you try to go through life working in your own power, doing your own thing, trying to accomplish it in your way, and not relying in the power of the Lord, you're going to look at your life at the end, and what you're going to see is a pile of ashes. There'll be nothing there that really has any spiritual meaning, meaningful value because you didn't abide in the vine. That's how we accomplish things spiritually is abiding in that vine. Apart from abiding in the vine, what did he say? You can't do it either. Simple as that. He made it clear to the disciples, and we want to be clear about that as well. But he also says, it's how you prove to be a disciple. You prove to be a disciple by these, these things I put up here a while ago, these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. That's, that's how you prove your disciple, by these characteristics in your life. And, and you don't have love on Sunday and hate on Monday. 
or you don't have self-control on Tuesday and you're out of control on Wednesday. You, you walk with the Lord and you stay, you stay in touch with him. In verse 9 it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And again he says, for the third imperative in the verse, he repeats himself. He says, abide. So three imperative verbs in this short passage, two of them are abide. One of them is ask. We have to abide, and that's how important it is. The two of the three commands that he gives in this short passage is abide. Abide in the Lord. Stay with him. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be, full, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Remember that second thing, that banana with a bottle of joy? I mean, these words are actually used in this passage. That's what he wants for us. And the only thing that's really hard to understand in the next verse, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. The, the, the principle here is easy. The magnitude makes it tough. God loves us so much, the magnitude of his love sometimes makes it hard to understand. He goes on to say, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You know, we're talking here, Jesus is going to the cross. And he says, greater love has no man than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. And he looks at him and says, you are my friends. He's getting ready to lay down his life for them. And he said, there's no more love that one can possibly have than lay down his life. And he's getting ready to do that very thing. No longer do I call you servants, for that servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Man, in this thing that we're talking about in this passage of John 15, about abiding with God, there are no secrets. There are no secrets. Everything the Father told Jesus, Jesus has told us. We just need to carry it out. And I'm not saying there's stuff in the Bible that's not complicated, but I'm saying, guys, this passage is not complicated. We just walk with the Lord. That's what we do. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. You did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And there it is again. Ask and abide. Abide in the Father's love. Verse 17 these things I command you so that you will love one another. You know, I have said this multiple times. The difference between your friends and the people you don't like as much is really we all have idiosyncrasies. You know, we, we all have a little strange things that we do. I mean, if you think you don't, just ask somebody that's really close to you, and they'll be happy to share a few of those with you. But we all have little strange things that we do because God put us together and that's just the way we are. And if you're a studier of people, you will see that everybody has those. The difference, though, between your friends and the ones you don't like as well is your friends 
you either find them funny or you just kind of put up with them. Your enemies, you just go, oh, what's wrong with that person? So when God starts talking about the church, you know, in this group of people, it's very eclectic. There's all kinds of different things going on here. But what the Lord commands us to do is to love one another. And if we're going to be friends, like God said we were his friend, if we're going to be friends, then we, we put up with all those little things that are going on because God did it for us. He calls us friends. I want to share this example with you. And I have two great boys. I have two great boys. Hunter back here, he has a son today that's in the nursery. And if I could say one thing to him, he's two years old. And, you know, abiding and walking with the Lord, you know, the world will tell, especially you teenagers, you, you have to go and sow your wild oats. You have to go and do it. That's not true. Now, it might be true that a lot of people do that, but it's not true that you have to do that. So if I could do one thing for Elijah that's back here in the nursery, I would go to him today, and I'd get down on a knee, and I'd say, Elijah, the thing I want you to remember is that you always abide with the Lord. You always let him show you the direction you should take, and you listen. And those fruits of the spirits that's talked about in Galatians 5, 25 and 26, I want you to, I want to make those evident your life. And if I could tell him anything, if he could get that message and get it and hold on to it, his life would be totally different than it might be otherwise. If you can trust the Lord, then you have a huge advantage. Because the Lord, we have a problem, guys. Everybody in this room has a sin problem. We have to have a, a person who pays the price for that sin, and it's Jesus. And we have to overcome that if we're going to walk in the Spirit. If we're going to abide in Him, we have to accept Him. I want to give this illustration. Like I say, I have two great boys. One back there, he's a great dad. The other one's in Navy boot camp right now. I'm going to be air rescue. Uh, hopes to be air rescue. And he qualified to be a SEAL, but he said, I don't, I don't want my mission to be go shoot people. My mission to be go to save people. And so he's going to be an air rescue guy if he can. So at boot camp, you know, we've gotten several letters from him. And, and one of these letters talked about an incident that happened. And I can just see this happening because I know uh, how I was at 18. But I, my reading between the lines, in the letter it says, somebody took a cough drop and threw it at this girl. Now, reading between the lines, somebody saw someone that thought was attractive and they wanted to get her attention so they would notice him. Reading between the lines, that's what happened. However, Master Chief, the, the highest rank of any enlisted guy in the Navy, the Master Chief, did not find it an appropriate response to trying to get somebody's attention. So he comes to the barracks and he is railing on them. He is telling them that Whoever did this needs to have the courage. They need to have the stamina. They need to have the wherewithal just to stand up, step out, and admit you did it. And so he, Spencer said in the letter, he went on for about 15 minutes telling them, step out if you threw the cough drop. Nobody did it. So Master Chief turns to go out. He goes, this is the deal. If nobody's going to admit it, admit it then all of you are going to get a beating. Every one of you. Every one of you is going to pay the price. Every one of you is going to get a beating. 
and he turned to go out, but he stopped, and he came back. He said, I'm going to give you one more chance. If just five of you, if five of you will step forward and take the beating for the division, then I'll let, you can save the rest of the division. You can save them by stepping forward. So Spencer said in his letter, at 1,300 hours, me and four others are going to take a beating for the division, even though we didn't do it. And a beating in the Navy boot camp is you're going to have some serious intensive training. They are going to work you over. So those five guys took a beating for the entire division. The rest of the division got to stay in their barracks, enjoy their free time, relax, do whatever they do in their free time, which they don't get much because it's a 14-hour-a-day deal. But they got to enjoy that time while the other guys paid the price. You know, as much as I love that story, and I fully admit that I love the story partially because my son's involved and he stepped out. But I'm going to say this. It pales in comparison to what Jesus did for you. We were all going to take a beating, if you want to use the military term. We were all in trouble. We were all destined for hell. And Jesus stepped out for us and died on the cross so that we might enjoy eternal life. He stepped out so that we can enjoy eternal life. And you know what? We talk about fruits of the spirits, and I know there's lots of good people in the world. Uh, there's all kinds of kind people. Uh, there's people that even exhibit all of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. They exhibit every one of those. But if you've never stopped to say, I'm a sinner. I, I have sinned. And I don't care how little or how big. If you have sinned, you are separated from God. You are not with him. And if you have sinned, then Jesus and what he did on the cross is available for you. You don't have to pay the price for those sins because Jesus did. The only thing you have to do is step out from where you are. Have courage. Step out. Tell Jesus that you want to abide with him. If you are like the guy in the car example, and your Christian life has become more of a burden to you than a joy, and you need to step out today, you don't have to come talk to me. You can just come to the altar. You just come to the altar, and you can just go, Jesus, I want to get this right, because I say this a lot. The Christian life is always, from this point right now, here, forward. You know, your past, it, I'm not saying it doesn't impact you at all, and there's not some consequences involved, but right now is what matters. What are you going to do right now? Not what did you do a week ago or a year ago or 10 years ago. Jesus says, I want you to do it right now. So two things. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never confessed that you're a sinner and asked him into your life, do that. If you are a Christian that's pushing your car and you are carrying it instead of it carrying you, then you step out this morning and go, God, I haven't been abiding with you, but I need to.
Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.